Pass Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. Hello again, everybody. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Scott Casper, Tony Wink, also uh, PJ Durand will be making an appearance on this particular program. Our show produced by Jack and Leanne DeLeon. Chris Bishop and Tommy Boy Halverson are both contributing as well. Tony, interesting um, lineup of guests. Yes, sir. We are going to, uh, well, first off, we're going to have my buddy Justin Brayton on who oh, your buddy. has some really exciting news. That he is going to be a factory Honda rider. You just is a factory blew, blew Honda rider. Surprise! So yeah, we got we got JB10 on. Taylor Roberts going to be on very fast off road guy, who we've had on many many times out there racing the Work Series out west coast. Richard Kimes, who is the uh, uh, with with been with Helmet House. He's we're going to uh, he's the chief marketing officer and director of training for Helmet House. And it's it's uh, the reason I'm interested is because. Uh, the terrain, meaning the uh, the terrain out there in in the motorcycle industry, the guys that out that work out in the field, they they have a firsthand look at what's going on, what the trends are, that kind of thing. And there's a few specific questions, but we'll just okay. kind of get his take on on what uh, is going out there in the power sports business. Also, hour uh, number two, we're going to have some very fast road racers, so we've got a good lineup. Uh, Stefano, right? Yeah, and then uh, also I think Caleb's. Caleb, on. yep, yeah, okay. Um, how big a deal, Tony, your estimation, how big a deal is the Honda signing of Justin Brayton? Uh, two million. Excuse I'm sorry? Two million. That's, that's my, how big. That's how big. That's uh that's that's a lot of money. Two point two point eight million. Shut up. I'm really? just gonna get bigger until we bring him on. Let's uh, yeah. let's let's go to our first guest, uh, Jack, if we can. Justin Brayton, the newly minted millionaire. How are you, Justin? <laughs> I'm good. How are you guys? Congratulations, dude. I mean, talk about somebody who has literally waited his turn uh, to get to where you are, but um, you're also doing it with great class and style, so j- nice job. Yeah, thank you. It's um, yeah, My first go-around at Factory Honda was a complete dream come true. All, all of you guys who know me, I've always been a Honda guy um, with Stormlight Honda back home in Iowa, and so when I got my first opportunity with them in, in 2012, it was, I know it's pretty cliche, but it really was a, a dream. And it was almost like I didn't get to enjoy it because I was under so much pressure from from really myself to perform. And you, you don't get those opportunities very often. And now this coming back uh, eight years later, um, it just shows that don't burn bridges and, and um, you know, keep your nose to, to the grind. And here we are eight years later, and I think I'm going to be able to enjoy it a lot more and, and um, really just embrace it. I mean, factory Honda in America, is the, as you guys know, it's the pinnacle of our sport, so it's pretty neat. It is, and, and congrats, buddy. And, and you know, it's uh, I think it's cool that uh, MCR allowed you. I, I, I mean, I assume you were still under contract with Mike and Tony, and, and they allowed you to go and, and break that contract, or were you guys year-to-year, or how'd that work out? Yeah. No, yeah, so I had a, a two-year deal that I signed at the end of 2018. So, yeah, my contract did go through 2020. And um, so, yeah, that was one of my first phone calls was to Mike Genova. And he's been nothing but great to me. And, um, man, he, he was kind of a mentor the past couple of years 
on and off the track. It's been fun to get to know him outside of the races, and I've learned a lot from him business-wise. And um, So, yeah, it was cool that he let me out of my, my deal to, to be able to go to Honda. And, and really, it's all everyone's kind of working together. You know, they're a Honda-supported team, so and it's what made the most sense, I guess, for, for Honda at the time. And um, so, yeah, Mike, Mike was able to let me out and excited about it. So your, your deal overseas, you're getting ready to do in Australia, um, which, by the way, you got third in Montreal, right? I saw you were riding that bike, or at least the graphics yeah. for that, that team. Um, talk about how that deal works. Honda apparently is cool with you continuing to race for that other team and, and talk about your relationship with that team. And, and does that did, did they lend any resources to that team, or is it basically what you've been doing and then it starts fresh in January? The cool thing about all this is, you know, essentially I'm, I'm paid to sell Honda motorcycles and, you know, I don't just do it in America. I do it on a global level. So, um, it's all supported kind of in and amongst Honda, uh, Honda Australia is the, the team that I ride for, uh, in, in Australia to, um, directly from the factory there in Australia. So it's kind of their factory Honda team. And then, um, over here in America. So how my deals work is really starting december 1st i'll be on the honda hrc bike getting ready for american supercross but in the meantime i'll be with honda australia and i will get some parts and pieces won't be my full race bike but um for sure suspension and all the key components that i need to go to australia to be comfortable um and i think over the years i've just proven that it works for me i think if it was my first year and i asked honda to to support that they would probably say no nah, i think you need to stay over here and keep preparing with us but now that they, they can look at my track record it, it's work without me doing uh, motocross i kind of need to race those five or six races to kind of get the ball rolling and and i feel like i'm really one of the most prepared guys at anaheim one so um yeah pretty neat I'm, it's like a dream scenario for me that's for sure superstar justin brayton is joining us uh on the program as he has so many times and we appreciate the time he spends with us um i, I do have a question to ask uh because i know that there are people pr people okay uh with these uh, large companies like honda did your time uh, spent in Australia with your family, uh, in France and Germany, et cetera. Do you think that had anything as, as far as, uh, you know, as far as the decision to bring you back to Honda of America? Good question. I, you know, I'm really not sure. I, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, they just look at results and what their best, uh, option is at that time to get them the best results. But then also above and beyond that, you know, I gel really well with the team. I've, uh, like I said, been on the team once before, and it, and it was great. Uh, the, Eric Kehoe, the team manager, is uh, the team manager there again. He left for a few years, and now he's back. Uh, so it's a lot of the same people, and we just gel really good. So I think that's part of it, the whole team dynamic. Uh, it wouldn't be a new guy coming in that they'd have to learn. And it takes longer than people think to get to know a team and, and for the team to know the rider. So... I just think it's a perfect fit. There's really no, um, no real dating between us, you know, like we're, we already know each other. We're, we're not getting to know each other. So, um, yeah, from my first day, it'll be like, like we never left. You're just up in Canada. Talk about that race. You finished what third. So, and, yeah, and I, I had you, third. It was I had a... you pegged for that win for sure. So I was surprised. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the, the track was, you know, everyone raced the same track, but it was pretty difficult. It was really one line and dry. and um, But, yeah, just a fun race. You know, it's been a long time since I've had a gate drop, too, since, since the uh, Las Vegas Supercross. So, um, for me, it's just all about, you know, staying safe and um, having some fun, which we did. We accomplished both those things. And now once we start racing for a championship, obviously the pressure and, and uh, my game will get ratcheted up. And um, So, yeah, of course, I wanted to win. It wasn't there. And it was pretty much however you started, you, you finished, which was fine. But I just didn't get the starts that I needed. So, um, But learned, learned a lot. As always, I'm 35 and still learning. So, uh, yeah, well, um, I've got a race here in a few weeks in Australia, round one in Brisbane. So. Um, always good to get gate drops before before it really matters. You know, I, I uh, you know, I've as you know, um, we've kept in touch. We and more lately that we do the race in May down on the track, the Justin Brayton Shootout. But um, have kept in touch over the years, and you've had years where you they weren't banner years for you. They weren't standout years. And then as you get older, it, you're a little bit of a puzzle to me even though we're, we're good buds and we talk, it's still, you know, when I'm in the dozer today, I'm thinking about you because, because, uh, I texted and said, you want to do an interview, but I'm in the dozer and I'm thinking about like, you know, I was going to change a section on the track and you, I remember you saying you thought it was cool. Like this is the best part. So I just left it, you know, and scraped the weeds off cause we got a race this weekend. But, and I'm just thinking about your career over the years and it boggles me a little bit. You're an old man. Right and uh, it's, it's thirty-five years old. In racing years, yeah. In racing years, he's a dinosaur. Yeah. But you don't. But but you're relevant, and you got to win not that long ago. And it, you know, and your style doesn't look. You know, I was watching this video that you just put out. And said, "Hey, I'm going overseas or whatever," and you put it on your social media. And you know, in the start with the three-inch wheelie all the way out, and not one thing flinches on your body, but the right, right wrist, and it's just like man, you just, per, you know, you're like perfect on a motorcycle and, uh, and maybe somebody would disagree, but not somebody at my level. I can't see it, you know? So I just wonder, mm -hmm. do you, as a rider, as you're getting older, I know your perspective has changed over the years and you know that, uh, hey, I got third place, you know, and it's like that race didn't really matter. It's a good warm up or whatever. You, you put emphasis on what's important and you talk about ratcheting up your, your, you know, your, your speed and your momentum and all of those things, your aggression on the track. And, and so that you're the most prepared for a one, but who do you have in your corner is my question to help you. I remember Tim Ferrier in the twilight of his career, he was talking about, he'd have a riding coach and it just, and I wonder who, if you have somebody that, that you, you talk to on a frequent basis that helps you. Are you with talking your, about mentally or physically? Well, both maybe, but I'm more talking about riding technique and that sort of thing and what it is that you do to, to, to keep yourself evolving because you're obviously evolving. You can't just stay the same and, and start and, and then get a win. It, that doesn't, and the, at this point in your career, you're evolving still. So I'm curious how you do that. If you have somebody that you work yeah, with. I, I think the, no, I think the, the best answer I can give you is, um, I, I don't have a riding coach and I don't have one specific person that, that I lean on. Um, I have several friends in my circle and, um, but the biggest thing that I can say is I'm just a student of the game. My mind is constantly turned on. Um, 
there's not very many nights where I lay in bed and I don't turn on a race. Um, my wife would vouch for me on that. She gets sick of watching <laughs> races every night. But as soon as I get my kids down, um, my mind is back on. I mean, pretty much from the time I wake up, basically right now my routine is up at 6, and I'm in the gym by 6.30, and I then try to take my daughter and daughter to, to preschool, and then I'm at the track till about 3, and then I'll do another bike ride or, uh, or a gym session, and then I'm dad for three, four hours, and then once I'm done being dad, it's straight back into the racing with studying. I, I study other riders. I, I watch their technique. I watch their bike. I love watching people's bikes. Um, I video myself every day at the track to study that. Every session, I'll go back, and I put it on the TV in my in my shop. So I, I just love the... I love it, man. I, I absolutely love it. I love everything about it. And then the fitness part of it, um, I've never really had a trainer, you know, that I've worked with super close, even throughout my whole career. Um, I've never wanted to have somebody to blame. It's fitness-wise, it's really not rocket science. I've done a lot of research and trial and error, I guess. So, yeah, and, and I probably should lean on people more, but I don't know. It's just something about me. I just want to do it myself. And, I, and like I said earlier, I do have friends that I lean on heavily to, to talk about things and bounce ideas off of, but um, the biggest thing is I'm just a student of it. I, I love I love learning and trying to evolve to be a better rider and athlete and, and person. So, Justin, when you're uh, doing those race reviews, I mean, are you, you, are you critiquing uh, your own performance while also, uh, as you said, you're clearly – looking for is somebody doing something better i assume is the idea see what they're doing and if it's if it's a way to move forward you're going to probably try and adopt it if you can for sure yeah and i learned so much from video from videoing myself because sometimes i'm like man i'm going as thought as fast as i can go into that turn and then i watch it and i'm like nah you, you you can go faster than that but that just is from watching other people other people on the same track um watching the race footage from the weekend the, the previous weekend of racing and then yeah just studying other people's techniques and then i'll try it and um yeah no one's really taught me how to ride i guess i've just just watched and said okay i need to have my toes here and my elbow should be here and um you know through the whoops i should be this my i've had people throughout the years mcgrath has you know gave me some pointers in the whoops and there's been several people that have you know, giving me, giving me tidbits here and there. Nathan Ramsey, uh, Nate Dog was a big part of my program for a couple of years. I uh, had Tortelli, you know, give me some oh, pointers wow. here and there. Um, Ricky Johnson helped me out for a short um, period of time. And, and I still talk to all those people. So, um, yeah, tidbits from several different people. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm the one who's got to get on the bike and try and try and make it work when you do make it work is it's beautiful to watch um but what is evident what's evident to tony myself pj and many many others is watching you emerge as a real athlete okay and that's perhaps what what tony was trying to get at just minutes ago is that uh, you've become a tremendous athlete and he can't quite figure it out um most people can't but um watching you uh, excel over the years is because you live a championship lifestyle. I think that's huge. For sure. It's, it's, it's definitely a lifestyle, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, 
And honestly, I don't feel 35. I really don't. I you don't look it. Mindset. <laughs> I feel good on the motorcycle. I feel good off the motorcycle. Um, so, yeah, why not keep going? I don't want anyone to tell me just because I'm 35 that I need to be done. I feel like that's just an age. If you told me I was 25 and I just signed my first factory contract, I would believe you. And I would think I have another 10 years. So, um, yeah, we'll see. There's a lot of people asking, oh, is this your last year? I honestly can't answer that question. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's just, hey, tomorrow I'm done. We Wait, pray that there's another 10 years, two years left for you. Five years, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Tony, uh, we got to head to the break here in about a minute, but I uh, want to give you last shot with Justin. Well, I just want to say good luck over there. Be safe. And, you know, you've got a huge fan base, especially here in Iowa, but I know there's everywhere I go, people are, you know, we talk about the track wherever I go and, and uh, when I talk about the race that you and I do in the spring, everybody's pretty stoked on that. So you've got a, you've got a lot of fans here, bud, and I uh, want to wish you the best over overseas. And when do you come back? Are you going to be over the whole time, or do you, do you go back and forth a bit? Yeah, so the family and I fly out this Saturday for California, and then we'll go directly from there to Australia in a couple weeks. And then we're actually gone for about six, six months, five or six wow. months from our house in Charlotte, so. Um, we'll be in Australia for, for two of those and then a few months in California. So how long a flight is that? Yeah, busy. To go, uh, to go from, from California, California to Australia. To yeah. Australia is about 13 hours. Shut up. Seriously. And, yeah. and how, yeah, how old are the kids? Hours, yeah. <laughs> well, we've went since my daughter was two and now she's five. We went every year and I've got a son that's two. So. Uh, we traveled last year with my son. He was six weeks or two two years ago. He was six weeks old. Oh my! So well, it can be done. It's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Lots You're, of chocolate, right? Yeah. <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And children's yeah. Tylenol. Ah, we got that going yeah. on. Um, Travis, uh, you're one of our heroes, brother, and uh, we surely appreciate you and uh, only wish you the best. Congratulations on uh, the new signing. I think it's terrific. And um, I don't know that anybody in our sport could uh, um, deserve it more. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate having me on. Thanks, JB. Justin Brayton heads to the pits. Tony, he's been a friend of yours for how long? Uh, 1990-something. Yeah. I remember announcing him in Adel, Iowa. Do you remember when Mark Bennell... Had the races out there at the at the uh, fairgrounds. Um, you were a quick yeah. kid. He was yeah, for sure. Troy, do you remember Troy? I can't remember Troy's last name. But Troy Bennett. Troy Bennett. Yeah, yep. we just had so much fun, and uh, it's always fun to catch up with Justin. But watching him succeed, I think, is terrific. All right, coming up next, Taylor Roberts going to be joining us. Uh, you going to know the name? Well, you probably will recognize his voice. He's been with us several times before. This is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Stay tuned. This is Tim Ferry, hero of Motocross Nation in USA, and you're listening to Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Hey, everybody. It's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. 
V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new Slow Rebound Tacky Compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the Tacky Tires, the choice of Sherco Off-Road. Racers say when using a Tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Hey, Moto fans, we do our best to keep you in touch with what we're doing through our website, iHeartRadio, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Well, now you can listen to Pit Pass Radio on your handheld device anytime with the all-new Pit Pass app for Android or iPhones. Go to your app store now and download the new app, Pit Pass, at no charge. Yes, we have an app for that. It's the all-new Pit Pass app. Get it today. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual-sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the Daly on family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The Daly Ons will offer you one-on-one -on -one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans. He'll make your dreams a reality. Call the Daly Ons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack Daly on Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Hi, this is Henry Wild, flat track and road racer. You're listening to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekly. All right, so welcome back to the show. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, part of the Evergreen Podcast Production System. Check out all of the programs. You'll find them on Evergreen um, Podcast Productions. Easy enough to do. We are very proud that we are their number one show. And Tony, after what, 15, 16 years? Uh, we keep uh, doing our best to improve by having great guests on. We just had Justin Brayton on. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty proud of him and happy for his success and his He's signing like with Factory Honda. He's like a brother of yours. 
I mean, you from guys are, mother. You guys are very close, and that's that's pretty cool. He's put up with me, but he's very close to you. You guys, I I, I asked him if he was because <laughs> like I got a bunch of texts and said, "Is that going to affect his you know the race that we do together at my track?" And I said, "Absolutely not," or I would have heard from him by now. But I then I got to wondering, and I sent him a text last week, and I said, "Will the factory Honda rig be at the race?" Oh wow! At the Justin Brayton shootout. That, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be very, very cool. It, it, all the response was just an LOL. So apparently, no. You know what? It, it possibly could happen. And if anybody can make it happen, it's you. So good job out of you. Yeah, maybe like the ATV demo truck or something at best. <laughs> Is there such a thing? I don't know. Okay. Hey, uh, you got a new piece of equipment in Winterset. Uh, can you describe it for us and what it's uh, designed to do? Yeah, I got a, um, a uh, it's called a Machio. I saw it down at Loretta's, and it's a, it's a soil conditioner, basically. It's it's like a tiller, but it tills like a blender rather than like a regular. So a regular tiller, rototiller, like you'd see, it it has, it as it, it where it bottoms. Or, yeah, where the tines discs. bottom out, it yeah. actually packs the dirt, and it's called plow pan. And so when you push all that off, which we never get to it because I have a sandy soil, but a lot of clay tracks I ride, they, they, they aren't as fortunate about the dirt that, you know, mine's really sandy and river bottom. But um, once they get so far down, it turns into uh, uh, a really slick surface. And so, so it's a really hard pack. Um, yeah. So it's like a hard pack underneath all of that. So it's, it's, uh, so it's, it's, um, it's pretty cool. This thing blends instead of t- it, so it's a it's a tiller, and then behind that it has a drag bar, that a leveling bar, and then behind that it has a roller. Wow! And the roller it, it actually you can adjust how much it packs, and it packs it just enough that it seals in the moisture because every edge you have. So if you have like even if they're small clods, every edge that you have w- hits the wind out. or the sun, and it dry, sure. it's more surface to dry. So this actually seals in the moisture, and and. Um, and it's adjustable, and so, it's got. So this is just another investment you're putting into your facility to benefit the riders. Yeah, and pretty and, cool. Or, or myself. <laughs> here's <laughs> could, the deal, though. You get the loamiest track for yourself whenever you want. Well, it. here's the thing: you got the you have, you can have the most the sweetest most bitchiness dirt ever, but if you don't have a bunch of guys to ride it, it, it takes What's a while point? to work it in. So yeah. it's like, screw it. Now I can just go lay out a corner track by myself in any field that I own or maybe don't even own, but I can lay out a field and I can have the sweetest little corner track in, in a matter of an hour. So yeah. It you was, got a race coming up this, uh, this weekend, right? Yeah, we do. We've got a race at the track. It's a Saturday. It's a practice until three o'clock. And then we have on the main track and then we have a, the North stadium track, practice starts over there for the races to follow and uh it's a limited schedule obviously with the sun and everything and sure. and uh we'll, we'll knock that out and that's a really fun track i rode it sunday night and then um and then we're having a pit bike race we have a, a full-blown pit bike track with an over-under and the whole thing it's super fun and uh we're having a pull start motorcycle race which the pull start mini bikes again are, are hot right now they absolutely are and, and ryan is behind <laughs> this i know ryan's a big so part of this it's going to be so dangerous with on the over under it was fun in, da- in davenport i yeah. gotta tell you it was fun to, uh, to fun to announce but so okay to i gotta tell you and i know taylor just hang on taylor one second i gotta tell the story <laughs> so the kid that won he's from winterset right he's he bought the bike when he saw it on facebook he bought the bike and showed up and he won and he, he's was like it the big tires 
Yeah, yeah. It's the big. And so the thing you, to kill it, the kill switch doesn't work. You have to pull the the spark uh, <laughs> plug lead. Yes. So it shocks you, right? So I'm I'm like. He he drops it off and he says, "Hey, look, I want I'm have to go to Colorado this weekend, but I want someone to race this thing because it's so fast and it's so cool." And I go, "That's awesome, man! Thanks." So I'm in my I get out of my dozer. I'm in my flip flops, and I ride the thing up to the house, getting ready to come up here. I just go past Sarah's caddy, which is a nice car, right? And I got my GMC Jimmy with the top off, and you know what I'm talking about that truck. I, I, I lean down <laughs> to to pull the spark plug cap, and as I do that, I must have turned the handlebars just right or something, and the th- throttle sticks wide open, full loop out, right? I'm skidding with my... The brakes don't work that well. Thank goodness I was wearing flip-flops at the time. The, the freaking thing has so much power. I'm hanging on to the thing. I'm down to my knees. I'm pretty sure my finger's broken, my index finger, which sucks because I'm going to Baja next week, and I'm, my index finger, it feels broken, but full loop out. Across the hood of my truck, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating or nothing. That's wow. how, that's how hard the thing flipped. Dylan, the guy that works for me, pulls up in the mule right behind me, sees it, and he's just, he's just laughing. Sarah, and Charlotte, my kid, and they come out and they're they're everybody's just looking at me and they're like, and the four, and the and the, the thing's still full bore, full, oh, yeah. full wide open, it be? you know, like hung on the bumper of the yeah. truck. <laughs> This happened like an hour ago. That Taylor awesome. Roberts joins us now. Taylor, has this ever happened to you, or would you uh, even um, hesitate a guess on whether it has happened to you? Yeah, no, I can't say that that has happened to me. <laughs> That's a good one. Have you ever been on a mini bike with flip flops on? <laughs> I'm sure I have at some point, but uh, I was sober though, it, I would, which is <laughs> sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I uh, I've had to actually. My my parents live a mile down the road from me, mm-hmm. and usually my most common form of transportation over to their house is my 450. And there's been a f- couple situations where I've ended up in flip flops between my house and my parents' house, but it's not comfortable. It's not. It's just. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable to ride with flip flops because uh, I know this is exactly when bad things happen. Have you, does a guy at your skill level, Taylor? Do you ever even? Did you ever ride pull start mini bikes? Because there's a whole generation, I think, of kids, Tony, that maybe no, never, never seen them. I never rode it, and I, and and I, my my opinion is still: Why would I ride that junk when I got good stuff in the garage? Of course, I <laughs> bought one for Davenport and loaned it out and immediately gave it away. But uh, you ever rode a pull start, Taylor? They don't they don't work properly. No, no, I never have ridden one. You're not missing anything. It was just it was a it was a rite of passage for uh, for a whole generation. For me, it was the it was the first thing you came in contact with that you would get to ride. But I recognize Tony. Uh, there's a lot of kids that uh, probably had better stuff to ride. Well, that's, all the, the time. that's the nearest thing they've got to a motorcycle. Let's face it; it's a scooter. But my 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 thought was, why does it take so long when you twist the throttle? for it to gain any speed uh this one didn't okay. <laughs> it was pretty instantaneous <laughs> it was well i th- i think what happened was i the the cable like pulls you know it like i turned the thing just like you just turn the bars aside and you know, leaned over and the thing just took off and <laughs> my instinct was not to let go apparently and <laughs> have it drag you around a little bit <laughs> Yeah, it, it was... We, um, we need to go to commercial break, I think. Yeah, good night. Well, thanks for joining <laughs> us, Taylor. Hey, Taylor, how's yep. the racing going in the work series? Oh, it's been going great, yeah. We, Killing uh, them. 
Yeah, I uh, had a pretty good season so far, and uh, you know, Fat Duvall came out when we went up to Washington and showed me how to ride the trees a little bit. But other than that, it's been going good. Oh, Thaddeus, he uh, he's gotten a lot better over the years. Yeah, he, I mean, he, Fat's always been a, a real solid rider, but he um, he's definitely, I feel like, stepped it up the last couple of years, you know, and he, you can tell he has a little, little bit more fire under him when he's trying to chase down Caleb every round. Yeah, and and Caleb too, man. That 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 the whole level of the GNCC guys has has uh, elevated so much in the last three four years. It's incredible. What's it like? How would you compare the work series to the GNCC as far as the depth of racer of of talent? Because there's definitely a lot of GNCC guys, and I know that you're like kind of the poster child for the work series. Uh, yeah. I mean. We, uh, I still feel like we have a pretty good depth of field, you know. We, at the last works race, we had 16 pros, and the last GNCC only had 11 pros. So, um, you know, we're doing pretty good. It's definitely, this year is the best year that I've seen in most recent years, and it's cool, you know. We got guys like myself out there, Zach Bell, ex-moto guy, Andrew Short, ex-moto guy, and, he, and then, you know, Gary Sutherland, who's been there forever, but then you got kids coming up like Dante Oliveira has been on the podium almost every round. So, um, yeah, it's been going good. And Taylor, what do you, uh, do you have any, uh, personal thoughts from your perspective as a racer in that series? What's, uh, what's making the difference that you're seeing, uh, you know, a preponder or, you know, and a, a growth, if you will, of, uh, professional participation. Is it just that, uh, sponsors are getting more interested in the series, uh, that then allows, uh, Maybe some teams come available. You know that there's a little bit of that, um, but you know it's cool. There's been a bunch of like privateers just showing up doing their own thing, and I think that comes down to the the ten thousand dollar pro purse that we have at every round this year. And then they've also been doing a really good job with the tracks, like the best tracks I've seen since probably two thousand eight, nine, ten era. Um, they've put in a, they've been putting a lot of effort into the tracks and, you know, this year they, they actually got new, new owners or a new owner, but it's really an owner and his son are putting a lot of effort into it. And, uh, the son Dane has been just killing the track. He's been doing such a great job. So that's what I like to see, you know, even more than the, the monetary aspects. Nice, but I just, I'm stoked that we have really good tracks to race on again. And I imagine it's because that the, they've, they're running the bikes on on Saturday and the ATVs and four wheeled units on Sunday, isn't that right? Uh, no, this year they're actually they so they did do that the last years, but this year the quads and AT and the side by sides are on a completely different weekend. So oh, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so same thing. Really, <laughs> yeah. So they can really dial in the track for motorcycles, and then they have all week to you know change it for the quads. So. Tell me this, as far as maybe not necessarily the pro class, but as far as the other class, has that attracted guys that are two wheeled guys that that come in and that don't want to be? Because I know that they're. Let's face it, we don't. You know, me running a racetrack, there's there's nothing but high fives. When I said when I finally said no more ATVs, guys, there you're, there's not enough numbers for me to deal with you anymore. Beat it, and man, that was like right. more bikes started showing up because of it. Yeah. No, I uh, I think I could agree with that. Um, I mean, I I know some quad guys that are like some of the coolest guys 
you know, I've met in the industry, like, like Bo Barron and, and Johnny Gallagher. But, uh, at the same time, like the, the styles of riding just don't match. Like the quad guys don't like riding motorcycle ruts and the right. motorcycle guys don't like riding with quads. So I'm not saying the guys that race them are no good. I'm just talking about the, the, ter- you know what I'm talking about. It's the, it's exactly what you just said. It's, yeah. The guys are fine. It's not, I have a problem with them personally. I just don't want to, uh, you know, like where we live in the Midwest, we get really gnarly ruts at my track. ATVs right. ruin that. And then, and then the ATVs also don't want to have to straddle a dirt bike rut. Yep. Yep. So I, I think it's, it's, didn't uh, we used to, um, at the fairgrounds, for example, didn't you used to put the, the ATVs out there to, to help, uh, flatten out the track, to smooth it out? Yeah. We got a, we have implements for that now. It's called yes. a Machio. We just talked about yeah, it. <laughs> Machio. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, have you seen that Machio, Taylor? It's uh, sorry, what's that? It's called it's a it come it's a soil conditioner. It's like a tiller, but it, it tills vertically rather than horizontally. So it tills like a blender. It's uh, what they used. They're using them at Outdoor Nationals now. A few of them, the ones that the Coombs run. Um, they're using them at Loretta Lens. I just got one for my track. I'm very excited about it. It's uh, oh, nice. Very expensive, but I'm. We have the best dirt. You probably wouldn't even know how to behave. Living out there and then coming back here, you'd be you'd. It's like um, you ever seen that fly fly that sticky fly paper that you put out for uh, yeah. catching. That's what it's like riding on my track about midday. <laughs> it gets like that. It's so good. We loop out city everywhere. It's fun. I'm I'm gonna have to come check that out. It would be fun. What do you What's your schedule look like for the rest of the fall and, and winter time? So I have a. Sprint Enduro, Sprint Hero Race this weekend at Glen Helen. And uh, as long as I just go there and, and pretty much finish, then I can win the championship there. And then uh, I have a couple weeks off and then a works race in Taft, California. And kind of the same deal with that one. As long as I go there and just uh, finish, then I should be able to win that championship. And then a couple more weeks off and then head to Portugal for ISD. Awesome. Oh, just going to Portugal. Okay. You just kind of throw that yep. out there, so that's good. Um, well, look, it's always good to talk to you, Taylor, and uh, we wish you safe travels for sure and also uh, victories in your future as well. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. There we go. Taylor Robert heading into the uh, into the pits. I want to go to PJ. PJ, you and I, uh, prior to Tony's arrival here in the studio, we're talking about a water bottle incident. What can you tell us? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, Pat Kelly, Sean Dylan Kelly, the superstar phenom young rider who uh, did so well at Daytona on the M4 X-Star Suzuki team, that is Team Hammer, the right, right. Ulrich's road racing world team. Well, his dad was a little upset during qualifying at New Jersey, the most, re- or, uh, yeah, it was New Jersey, um, most recent Moto America round, and chucked a water bottle at one Hayden Gillum. He got caught doing that on camera by the track and was then, uh, it has been announced by Moto America, he's been banned for six races from didn't attending Chuck, uh, Moto America events. Didn't Chuck and, and his son kind of bend over backwards to get him a, 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 a what do you call it, a credential? Uh, yes, uh, the old riches as team owners uh, requested the credential from Moto America I'm on sorry, behalf John, of yeah. Sean Dylan Kelly, their rider. As a courtesy to him, they uh, requested a credential for his father, 
So unfortunately, they get notified because they're the people that asked for the credential, um, and they get named in the the unfortunate uh, press release. Moto or uh, is there a financial part of this? I don't believe so. He's no he's not a competitor, not part of the team. So he's what? Just a that spectator. So what? That they're mentioned. Everybody had they, exactly. They, they have plenty of street cred, and, and they totally do. And they made a public, very public apology to Hayden Johnny Gillum Chris, to Hayden Gillum sure. from the team. We're sorry this happened. You know they've they've owned up to it completely. They've everything's gone the way it should. It's just unfortunate. We see it at racetracks, Tony. You see it more than most. Mini dads are the same everywhere. Just did uh, the bottle actually hit him? Yeah, yeah. I've seen the video uh, again. Unfortunately for him, it, it just couldn't be any more clear. It was him chucking a bottle. I saw Co- a shoe thrown at, at our president one time, George Bush. <laughs> What's that? Now? Yeah, I've seen that too. I saw a shoe <laughs> thrown at George Bush when he was president okay, on camera. On camera, and he <laughs> well, was he was. He moved. He, had, he was quick. <laughs> quick on his feet. Yeah. All right. Tell you what. When we come back, uh, next guest waiting in the ring, wings. Tony, who is it? Uh, Richard Kimes. He's he's with uh, Helmet House, and we're going to talk a little bit about the power sports industry and some of the trends that are going on. Part of the uh, Evergreen Podcast System. This is Pit Pass. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Leslie Porterfield from the High Five Cycles, fastest woman in the world on a motorcycle. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. With no speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans, Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's track, A-D-D-I-X.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 4 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with Track Addicts Track Days. With the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA Closure System race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 ProFit Advanced Ventilation Jersey and Premium Race Glove, and you have Generation Next racewear, built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike. For more information, visit flyracing.com. It's much more than a piston company. Wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products, including forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets and hubs, crankshafts, camshafts, forged connecting rods and valves. At Wiseco, we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine engine, or automobile on the market today. After 70 years in the business, Wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high high-quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals. Wiseco. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO.
Passionate about riding motorcycles off-road and on? Well, visit Hickam Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa and see the full line of 2017 Yamaha Dual Sports. From the simple-to-ride electric start TW200 to the nimble, lightweight XT250 to the racing-to-ride performance of the WR250R, Yamaha has your ride. Visit Hickam Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa today. Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Hickam Power Sports in Grimes. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Don't drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. The point is good. Drink Swell Vodka, proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Like Swell Vodka on Facebook. Find Swell at fine stores that sell spirits. Hi, I'm Danny Walker of American Supercamp, and you're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Thank you very much, Jack. Jack DeLeon, our executive producer of the program. In studio, P.J. Duran, Tony Wink, and uh, Scott Casper, Ed Camp, one of our producers as well. I want to thank Chris Bishop, Tommy Boy Halverson for helping to prepare our program. It's always great. And we would be remiss if we did not mention Leanne DeLeon, who is our online executive producer. So thank you very much. Tony? Hey, did you guys hear that uh, Moto America has set a race at Indy Motor Speedway I have heard it, but I don't know. I'm pumped and I'm yeah. going. Do you, I going. don't know the details. Though. I've heard it, but I don't know the details. Well, it's all I know. I'll tell you this, it's though. In August. It's in August next year, like yeah. 22, 23 that weekend. And August I will 21st, be there. 23rd. Yep. Yes. What and was the last event we did at Moto, or excuse me, at uh, Indy? Do you remember? Yeah, the GP. We went down. Tony. I think what well, they've been there two three years. We went there every year. Tony Tice. Yep. And and man, fun. it was fun. so cool. They had the Indy Mile, so AFT. If they could go back there, I know that that'd be killer. That'd That's be so exactly cool. What I'm hoping because yes, I went to every single MotoGP that was held at the Brickyard. I was there first and last years. Didn't miss one. Was there for the Hurricane. Yeah. In the first year, I was there for every single event. I cannot wait to go back. I am was, stoked about this. Who was the uh, rock and roll star? It's a friend of yours. He lives just down the street. He's a part of a big, big band. Called Slipknot. Slipknot. Um, but, well, there's Jim Root and Sid Wilson, the guys Sid. that I know. So, yeah, Sid. Remember, we were walking across the infield toward the uh, Red Bull uh, facility, uh-huh. which was amazing. Oh, and he was amazing. spinning records or whatever. Well, he was supposed whatever to Whatever he be, does. But he was... He was using two canes because he had fallen off of off of a stage. He had jumped off of a stage. They're jumping, okay, all right. They are crazy, and yeah. he showed me a video of it, and I'm like, "Why would you do that? What did you think well, was going to happen?" He's over forty years old. He's forty. He's got to be forty plus years old. What do you think? They all are. They're older than me. All of them. Well, yeah, yeah they're my they're my age. I have a couple of them as customers. They're my Sid- age. So, yeah, he mid forties up. All right, 40s. let's get to our guest. I want well, to talk uh, to well, this guy. Yeah, I mean, he obviously is uh, our next guest. Richard Kimes is a motorcycle industry veteran. He joins us now. Any opinion on uh, stage diving, Richard? Uh, wear a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> stage diving issue. Fine advice, sir. What brand of helmet should we wear? Yes. Well, uh, my career has. Uh, been pretty much dedicated to the uh, the wearing and use and sale of uh, showy helmets, the number one premium helmet brand in the in the world, and HJC helmets. Hmm. I like yeah. the style of number uh, one, the new choice. Volume helmet. Yeah, that's a, that's a good looking helmet too. Are you still with Helmet House? 
No, I, I recently left. Um, it's an interesting story. Uh, I'd like to let's know, hear it. Reminisce in a way <laughs> that uh, you know the our general manager said we all had a great witness to one of the great American success stories, and uh, the ownership of Helmet House recently sold the company, and oh. uh, I'm no longer with Helmet House after uh, uh, almost 15 years. Well, what do you know? Ain't that fun? So uh, <laughs> let me ask you: Change is inevitable. Is this what you're doing now, or what are you doing? <laughs> that was actually just sparkling that water. That wasn't beer, yeah. It that's... wasn't beer. But what are you doing with yourself? Oh, well, I've got um, doing, uh, you know, uh, special podcast interviews, and uh, got some projects in the fire. I'm also helping out with my wife's uh, uh, business. She has her own boutique gardening consultancy business, and I do a lot of social media on that. And uh, just, you know, keep it busy. Let me ask you. I'm I'm curious about the power sports industry and and the go. direction that we're we're headed with this. And and you've seen it with, you know, being involved with uh, director of training for Helmet House, chief marketing officer. Um, at least that's what the script here says that you did. Um, <laughs> can you talk about the you know the the trends that we're seeing now with with uh, side by sides? I know that that um, you know that seems to we have made a shift at the local dealer level in sales that um, you know we're not we're not, people are not buying motorcycles like they used to yeah it's uh, it's quite a, a time of transition actually I think if you were to walk into most of your bigger um, Japanese oriented dealerships yeah the side-by-side segment is certainly uh, uh, their their best sellers at this time um, and as far as motorcycles concerned um, yeah, I mean, the industry has been in this sort of um, long, slow reset period. Right. Um, and the good news is I don't see any you know dedicated motorcyclists, at least in the data I saw in my job as, as CMO. You know, nobody's really stopped riding. They're just being very cautious with their dollars and not... Uh, well, don't they have to be? Know. Because, I mean, look at the price. And, Tony, we've talked about this. The t- you know t- two cycle versus four, um, and, and the price of the bikes have really gone out of control. Even the two strokes are are expensive now. But, but you can at least work on them and fix them. <clears throat> uh, speak for yourself. I'm yeah, sorry. They're, and they're I about choose. they're about to be fully fuel injected. We're going to see that it's already happening. Yeah. I mean, Is it's really? going to happen. Which at which point they're going to cost as much as a four stroke. There won't be a price difference. PJ, what do you, you're 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 part of the. Um, the Hicklin Power Sports family. Um, are you seeing the side by sides? Because uh, let's face it, you do watercraft, you do snow, you do motorcycles, and then now the side by sides. Is it a big part of the business? Absolutely, it's huge. It's uh, probably our biggest sellers. Really? Absolutely. So you're saying that? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? On Richard, on on you say that the the guys are still riding, but they're being more careful what they spend their money on. Um, Shoey helmets ain't yeah. cheap, right? So, uh, no, and uh, you know they've done a great job of expanding their product line to kind of meet the evolving needs of motorcyclists. But uh, you know, from the data I've seen, uh, you know, people are keeping their bikes on the road. I know I have several motorcycles, and if I were ever to call on a dealership, I invariably get the, uh, the invitation to, "Hey, you want to you want to trade that in? We're looking for great used bikes." So. Um, what you're seeing is, yeah, to your point of, you know, price points being rather high relative to history, um, 
you've seen that being attacked in a couple of different ways. A lot of people spending their money more on, on quality used motorcycles. Uh, and you're starting to see the OEMs come in with smaller, lighter, uh, less expensive product in, you know, 300cc class, 500cc class. And, um, you know, that's probably going to have a bigger role in the future of motorcycling would be my guess. I think you're absolutely on uh, point there, Richard. So I've got a question for a man who's uniquely qualified as you are with your history with Shoei. I, uh, as with my involvement through a dealership and in the industry, we're seeing, I think, um, a watershed, a change in the design of helmets, uh, speaking specifically of 6D. Uh, but I think that technology is going to become uh, probably... Uh, it, it looks like it will eventually become the, the way of the future. Did, it, did you get a sense that that was going to be occurring? Because uh, Shoei is just one of many premium brands uh, that I think is going to be uh, have to be looking at that, or are they not? Uh, no, they're definitely looking at it, and the whole notion of engineering for better rotational impact protection, I think, is a, is a noble effort. Um, where it's challenging is um, the testable engineering qualities of that kind of impact. The mathematics on it get quite complex. So, uh, but it is going, to, without doubt, be the future of uh, how helmets are engineered because it's a it's a relatively next level type of impact that certainly, uh, if you can protect the rider's head, he will have a a better result in a rotational impact with that kind of technology. But Richard, don't we have to be honest with ourselves? We can make the shell, the helmet itself, the padding, et cetera, inside um, as, as, as best we can. But that doesn't stop the brain from traveling from point A to point B within the cranium, right? Well, I mean, that is the whole concept of how a, a motorcycle helmet has to work is to kind of dissipate that deacceleration energy and give your your brain some room to kind of move in an impact versus having it be transmitted directly through your skull. I mean, that's why shell construction is so incredibly important. Mm -hmm. The the notion of constructing a a multi-piece EPS or other material type of liner that will help dissipate that, that impact and acceleration and give you the best possible chance of, you know, coming away from a, a an incident with uh, minimal injury, but right. you know, time and time again, if you hit something hard enough, you will get hurt, and that's sure. very difficult to engineer for any kind of instance. Well, my whole goal in my life is to lessen my opportunity of deacceleration, Tony. <laughs> I don't even know. I, what I, you're... I don't want. I don't. I don't want avoid to hit my crashing. head. At, I don't avoid want, crashing. Thank you. I don't want to hit my head at anything. So, what are your plans, Richard? My plans are to enjoy my uh, family for a couple of weeks and uh, uh, keep busy. I've got a few irons in the fire already. But uh, as to staying in the motorcycle industry, I mean, I've got almost 20 years into it. I'd love to figure out a next step in it, but I'm also open to other aspects of my career. I have quality uh, experience in both automotive and technology, just pretty much what you get here in Los Angeles. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what the future holds. Do you think there's any real big opportunities, like there were back in the '90s, even 
early 2000s, there were opportunities where companies like, i give you an example, uh, CNL companies. I worked for them for a short year, um, which is the owner of, of Pivot Works, Hot Rods, Hot Cams. They're out of Des Moines here. And that guy, you know, he sold his business for 50 some million, I'm told. And, and uh, basically, he just put together, you know, started with uh, the source and the rods and that sort of thing. And he was in bed with Wiseco for a while. And then he he went on and did his own thing. And, and uh, you know, his, the Pivot Works thing is basically it's it's sourcing cheap, and they're cheap, Chinese, Chinese uh, Taiwanese parts and uh, and bearings and seals and that kind of thing, and then putting them all together in one easy-to-order uh, kit. And, and you know, the guy is, is, while I think he's shrewd, he's a brilliant businessman, and he's made millions of dollars. Do you think there's opportunities like that in the motorcycle industry, or do you think we've thought of everything already, and it's already all out there and been done? Because another oh, wow. gear company, another helmet company, another tire company, all those Me Too brands or Me Too categories, I just don't see anybody getting rich doing it. Well, I know one thing that the the entrepreneurial spirit in, in the motorcycle industry, and particularly in the aftermarket, there, there will always be people who will find a way to be successful. That said, though, I think you're going to see a lot of transitional change in how product is generated. Um, I mean, the notion of cheap, as you say, cheap Chinese product is you know, going to be addressed with tariffs here for who well, knows how much longer. Sure. And the fact of the matter is, you know, we're all kind of seeing what falls out of all of these types of issues, um, but where the category is going to go. Strong will survive, right? You know, I always do. Economic Darwinism is in full effect at all times. Our vote is uh, for you, Richard, obviously. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, hearing what your next step is when you make it. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. And uh, thank you for your time, gentlemen. And uh, good luck with the rest of the show. Richard Kimes, thank you. We need it. We need all the luck we can get. (laughs) Hey, speaking of luck, how about the Montreal Supercross? Everybody, it's Scott Kess. Can we? uh, There we go. Um, Montreal Supercross. What was your take on uh, on uh, uh, Mookie? He had a two one five. Yeah, finished for second. second overall. I don't know. I mean, I'm it's it, I I'm not surprised. You know, he's a very strong competitor. Sure. Um, I was pretty stoked for Dean Wilson. I was too. And getting the win, and I was kind of wishing Brayton would have gotten it. But what about filthy Phil Nicoletti? I don't really care. Okay. Back after this, top of the hour. You're listening to Pit Pass Racing Weekly. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or regular 
recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the tacky tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. Hello again, everybody. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. And uh, tell you what, I want to thank our friends at Evergreen Podcast. The uh, production network. Look for them online, evergreenpodcast.com. You can hear all of our post shows uh, as they are uh, put up there. I think Land does that. Uh, this program, by the way, produced and uh, for a long time now by Jack and Land DeLeon. So I appreciate them. Our contributors include Chris uh, Bishop and Tommy Boy Halverson in studio, PJ Duran, uh, yours truly, Scott Casper, as well as uh, Tony Wink. First hour, if you missed it, go back and grab it. It's a good hour. I promise you that. Justin Brayton, Taylor Robert, and uh, Richard Kimes. Did you enjoy the conversation, PJ, with Richard Kimes? Sure did. That was enjoyable. It's For me, looking behind the scenes, I think I learned more than what the the, the press releases uh, would exhibit. Yeah? I tend to agree with you, sir. It's always you hear, enjoyable. Were you here in the studio when we did the two-hour special on uh, helmet and... Uh, Unfortunately, I was out at that time, and I remember it being a big deal. A lot of people talked about it, too. It was a huge deal, and, and I want to thank our friends at uh, Channel 8 here in Des Moines, KCCI-TV, because uh, they'd spent... Um, I think they shot 16 hours of video to boil down into a two-hour segment, and uh, they were very generous with us. But we learned so much about, uh, you know, head injuries, trauma, et cetera. And I think you folks should do uh, your own self a favor just by doing your own homework. What works for you? What kind of helmets? How many helmet brands do you guys sell? We sell all of them. Quite literally, any helmet on the market we can get. We don't have every single one of them in stock, but we can get any helmet pretty much that is manufactured is something that we have access to. And that's to. at Hicklin Power Sports? That's at Hicklin Power Sports, you bet. Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa. And don't cut yourself shy of success. In other words, don't let price be the deciding factor. Remember that you are what you wear. And if you don't, and if... 
believe me, you you will pay the price on the other side, and I don't want to see you in the hospital after a uh, trauma. Okay? Good helmet is always worth its weight in gold, and I bet you our next guest would tell you the same. I, I would think so. Let's go to our next guest, Caleb. And is it DeCarroll, Caleb? Caleb, are you there? Jack, can we get Caleb online? Um, I'm, he's, he's working. We need our, we're needing our guest. <laughs> he's working with Tony. That's all right. Hey, Jack, when you get back to us, can we get our guest online? Make him live if you would. Thank you, Jack. Caleb, Sorry. welcome to, welcome to pit pass. Good, uh, good to have you on the show. And, uh, Scott was asking, I'm sure you heard him exactly how you pronounce your last name. So we don't butcher it. Yeah. Uh, it's DeCarroll. Yep. DeCarroll. Okay. Well, welcome to the show, Caleb. What I miss? You guys seem like you. No, we were. We were uh, gesticulating because we needed our guest. <laughs> we had just introduced him, and he was on hold. Dead. And Jack, you had, and you had, Jack, uh, and you were having a conversation. It's all right. We yeah. got him. <laughs> What's up, Caleb? I'm back. Everything's good. How are you? Good. How are you? So yeah, we're good. Um, I got to ask you though. You decide to uh, show up at Laguna Seca, right? And go on and just win your first Moto America Twins Cup race. So that's uh, congrats. What prompted you to race? What, what what made you decide to race this class halfway through the season? Um, honestly, uh, just the, just the opportunity that came up. Um, I've I've been sponsored by uh, CJ Zaya for a really long time, and uh, he had also been sponsoring um, Bob Fisher, who actually has done most of the Twins Cup races this season um, on FZ07 and. Um, Bob on and off all the way throughout the season had been kind of, you know, hinting at the fact that he wanted to get me on a bike and he was, uh, maybe going to build a second bike and trying to figure out how he was going to get some funding to, uh, finish it and stuff. And so it ended up just, uh, kind of working out to where the bike got done, um, literally like a week before Laguna and, uh, we, you know, made it happen. Uh, actually I went and tested, uh, out at uh pittsburgh at pit pit race on bob's bike and then so i ended up driving all the way to florida picking up the bike from houston driving all the way to pittsburgh uh driving back to florida back to houston and then i actually flew out to do a race and then came home and then drove all the way to florida and then all the way to laguna uh just to just to be there and make it happen so (laughs) it was uh it was quite a quite a um quite an ordeal getting everything just ready and and all the ducks in a row to make it going to happen so i definitely wanted to make the most of the opportunity which you absolutely did you knocked it out of the park sadly we then have to talk about your your unfortunate injury shortly thereafter at thunderhill um have you recovered fully breaking a femur is no joke uh anyone who's uh familiar with bones knows that's the one you really don't want to break when you can avoid it uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, the the weekend after Laguna, um, I uh, I was going into a corner on a on an R one, and uh, we ended up losing brakes. Um, so you know, I basically had no way of slowing down, and there was a a wall a little bit ways off the track, and so I couldn't slow down, and then ended up cartwheeling a bunch of times uh, to slow down. Luckily, I didn't hit the wall, and then uh, yeah, ended up with a broken femur. So I've kind of been on the mend um ever since 
the weekend after Laguna. So Monday I was um, seven weeks out of surgery, and uh, I went out to the go-kart track with my buddies and uh, yesterday and was riding. And uh, I've been riding on and off for the last, like, three weeks or so, just uh, kind of seeing where I'm at every time I go out and it seems to be, you know, getting better and better every time we go out on the track. So, um, I definitely don't know if I would call myself a hundred percent right now, but I'm definitely, I definitely can ride. I don't think I'd call myself a hundred percent either, but, um, <laughs> was your, uh, was your plan to race the rest of the twins cup series this year before that crash? Yeah, that was the plan. So I actually had drove, uh, all the way out to California, and then uh, we were going to do Laguna, and then stay out there until Sonoma, and then drive all the way over to Pittsburgh, do Pittsburgh, and then drive up to New Jersey, um, and then come back down for Barber. So yeah, I mean, our plan was to hopefully, you know, finish out the season strong, um, and that's why I've been I've been working my butt off ever since I crashed to uh, get this thing. The biggest struggle has been uh, range of motion, just because all the trauma from, from the surgery, uh, with all the scar tissue and everything, um, just going to the gym and just stretching it out and breaking through that, that scar tissue on the, um, in there has been one of the biggest struggles, but yeah, I mean, that was, that's, that's been a big motivator was we, we wanted to do the rest of the season and I definitely wanted to do another round, you know, before the season was over. So, you know, I can kind of prove, prove to everybody a little bit that it you know laguna wasn't just a, a fluke deal I, you know i wanted to be hopefully competitive at all the other rounds and uh so we're looking to kind of do the same thing at barber so hopefully we can be up there and um yeah hopefully hopefully my leg is good enough to to be battling in the front that's the plan so we'll cool. see what happens You've been racing a long time, Caleb. For uh, our listeners who don't know, I remember seeing you, and I want to say, do you have a brother or two that also race? Yep. Yeah, I got a uh, two little brothers. One one uh, road raced for a while and um, is now doing downhill mountain biking, and the other one is actually go-kart racing. So. Oh, right on. I remember seeing your... Uh, your family at uh, it had to have been at Barber at probably Aware Grand Nationals, um, maybe twelve or thirteen, fourteen in that zone. Um, I remember seeing, first of all, you and your brothers walking around in the pits. You had very identifiable leathers, and then uh, seeing your names all over the, uh, I mean, literally all over the results as they were posted. I'd come in uh, looking for my own results, and I would see your guys' name at the top, it seemed like, of every race you were in. Um, so it, it cheers to you, and kudos to you. Um it seemed like it was a family affair at that mm -hmm. time, probably. Um, is it still that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, is, is your family still involved in your program? Um, not, not as much as as, uh, as it used to be. You know, uh, basically when I was growing up, it would be our, our whole family traveling around in the uh, motorhome or van, whatever we had at, at the certain points. Um, but, but, you know, we always – it was really important um, for my dad that, you know – he kept kept it very family oriented and and uh you know so it wasn't just me and him going to the racetrack every weekend you know my mom and all my brothers would always come with and uh just kind of made it more fun you know just hanging out going to the races on the weekends with the whole family so um that yeah i mean growing up that's how it always was um 
and now, I mean, yeah, kind of kind of similar. Um, here recent, uh, my dad hasn't been able to go to most of the. He he wasn't able to go to Laguna, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it still is very family oriented. I mean, we still do. Um, you know, with all the training and everything that we do, uh, my dad's still pretty pretty involved with everything. So, where does the name of your team come from? Uh, for Moto America. <laughs> well, Ro- Ro- Roaring Toys Team, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. CJK so, so knows uh, Roaring Toys Team. So, where does that come from? Yeah. So Bob Fisher is uh, one of the one of the riders who's who's been competing in the twins class uh, all season. He owns a company called Roaring Toys um, in Sarasota, Florida. They do a ton of custom bike builds. Um, okay. Mainly, mainly like uh, you know stretched uh, busas and like random like uh, custom bikes, like uh, one off bikes for people um, customers. He's built uh, like custom bikes for Ludacris, and he does a whole bunch of like custom crazy bikes down there and um his passion is racing so you know he races the moto america twins cup and uh he, he's also the one or roaring toys is the one to put together the fbo sevens that we that we've been racing so and are you going to be running at barber this weekend or no what uh, did we cover that i don't think we covered that yeah yeah i'll be there um so yeah, I mean, basically, ever since I got injured, this this was uh, the kind of the plan um, was to be back racing. At Bounce Harvard back for the, for the final one. Yes, you did say that. And what are you racing out there? You're in California, right? Uh, I'm. I actually currently living in Houston, and then I have been doing all the AFM rounds with another team uh, out in California. Um, so I've I've been doing uh, like Thunder Hill and and Button Willow and all those rounds. That, got you. That that's why. That's why I thought you were in California because I knew you were racing a series out there, the AFM. Are you uh, running anything? Like, are you? It's right on the heels, probably. Uh, you going to be coming back, like doing the Wera Grand Nationals? Are you still doing that sort of thing? I haven't done Wera in a little while. Uh, mainly, I've mainly just been taking every opportunity I can get. You know, um, just uh, doing doing whatever comes about and. Uh, you know, right now I've been doing the AFM with uh, Anderson Racing, and they've given me a really good opportunity. We were—that's actually the, the the bike I was riding when I got hurt. Um, but they gave me the opportunity to do a full full season road racing again with AFM, and then um, so they, there's actually um, a round in October for the AFM races that'll be uh, the last round for that series. So unfortunately, with me breaking my leg here. Um, I've missed a couple rounds, a couple races, so um, yeah, I'm just just happy to be back healthy and back riding. So, any chance you get to a guy as fast as you probably can miss a race or two and still come away with a title? Any chance you're still gonna be in the any title hunts? Yeah, we're sitting sitting pretty good in the AFM. Um, unfortunately, with missing uh, two rounds, I think I'll be sitting like second or third in the 600 championship in a couple of the 600 championships but um in that series uh we're not not uh i mean our, our main goal wasn't really the championship this year we've i've been learning all the tracks out there and we've just been uh kind of using it as a learning year i was testing an r1 for them and we were getting a lot of good data and uh um that's actually the bike that i that i went down on but 
But anyways, yeah, just mainly, you know, testing and getting back on a road race bike because I've been doing motocross for the past uh, couple years here and I haven't really road raced much. So just getting back on the road race bike this year with AFM and then uh, and then uh, actually Bob Fisher uh, hit me up and after seeing some of the AFM results and stuff and he knew I was doing good out there. So he's like, hey, you want to come uh, do the Twins Cup? So that's kind of how the whole uh, Laguna Seca thing came about. And then, uh, yeah, Obuguna went super well. So then, obviously, after that, uh, it was kind of the, kind of always the plan to do the rest of the season. But, yeah, then, unfortunately, um, broke my leg. So <laughs> just been kind of trying to heal up from that. So who would win, uh, Garrett Gerloff or yourself on a motocross track? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> um, it's a tough one. He doesn't want to upset anybody. Might have to have a teammate. Wanna, I don't want to upset anybody, but uh, straight up racing on a rough motocross track, uh, I, I would probably beat Garrett. But he would—he's uh, been smoking me on the supermoto track, so I guess I can say that. <laughs> How good are you on a motocross track? I know you guys ride. I mean, I know your whole family's bleeds motorcycle yeah. racing, but uh, how good are you? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, last last season, uh, I kind of focused on motocross. I did, uh, I got my pro license. Well, the year before that, I, I did all the pro ams and all that stuff, and uh, I've been to Loretta's a couple times. And uh, what class? Last year, I um, I went in College Boy and 450B, I think, one year, and then the next year I went. Uh, I want to say All Star and and for uh yeah i think it was 450b and all-star the next year so and then uh last year i went and did uh millville was my first pro national and then i did iron man at the end of the season um when it was a mud fest so <laughs> did you make it in uh millville i missed it by two spots and uh iron man it was uh super muddy and um I ended up, so basically how it works in the mud pretty much is you get two free laps mm -hmm. and then that third lap is the one that counts. And, uh, I went down on my third lap. So I didn't, uh, basically that the time, the lap that the fastest times were set, I made a mistake. So no, I did not make it in, but, uh, it was, it was fun and, uh, it was a good learning opportunity for sure. And I think it definitely helped just, uh, getting out there with those guys. And, um, obviously motocross is a lot more, um, um, what do I, I don't want to say this, like brutal and demanding, uh, just demanding. And like, you can, you can really work on your race craft. So I think it really helped, uh, going into motocross for a while at that level, um, just to, um, see the, the pace of everything and how everybody's just giving it everything they have and, um, tight racing, getting used to, you know, making close passes and stuff. Obviously the road race stuff, um, isn't as, I mean, it still is, but it's not as uh, um, co like contact and and stuff like that. So, um, but I think it really helps, you know, get that get that kind of fighting spirit, you know. <laughs> what so I th I think motocross is. I believe that if if more motocross guys like yourself or even higher level motocross guys got on a road race bike, and and maybe I'm going to upset somebody here, but I believe that they would be. I, I really think that if if you are good on a motocross tra 
track and you really are good at controlling the motorcycle, you get on a, on a sport bike, you get on a track, do a track day, you're, you know, the motorcycle moving around underneath you, braking, all that stuff, you, you have a better understanding of it than, than anybody else. And I think that you can go in there and be competitive a lot sooner once you, you're taught, you know, the technique and that sort of thing on how to, to, to lean on the motorcycle and, and move your butt around and stuff like that more. Um, I think that you can just kill it. And I really believe that a good motocrosser is a good road racer with just a little bit of training and practice. Would you disagree? No, for sure. I mean, I, I think motocross, motocross has been a huge, um, uh, help for me. Like growing up, that's all we did. Uh, I lived right next to Millville, Minnesota, um, next to the national track, my whole growing up, basically yep. my whole life. Um, so we would go out there every weekend and, and we'd be riding. And then, uh, it made the transition pretty easy, um, you know, just because you get all those skills of, of uh, you know, looking ahead, squeezing your knees, um, you know, just, just all, all this stuff. Um, there's so much stuff that's happening on the motocross track. Ruts are changing, things are moving, um, you know, changing every lap. And so I think it really, really develops you as a rider and just like having skills on a motorcycle just in general. And then it made the switch to road racing pretty um, easier, I guess I should say, Um, just because we jumped on road race bikes. And actually our first year jumping on road race bikes, we were motocross kids and we came down to Texas, um, never seen a road race track before, never even put the, you know, the helmet without the visor on. And we're like, this is weird. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we went out and, uh, I won every single race that my brother got second in, in every race. And then we ended up winning the five hour endurance race that we did together. And, uh, after that, we were like, huh, maybe we should look into this road racing thing. <laughs> it's not a bad gig at all. And it, but, but I think for sure, definitely, definitely growing up with a motocross background, um, definitely made the transition, uh, into, into road racing a little bit easier. There is some differences and i think um just being just being fast on a road race bike it's hard to it's hard to uh when you're when you're a motocross guy it's hard to like you almost have to like calm yourself down and like be patient because you want to rush things and and uh because there's just there's just so much other stuff happening on motocross bike and then you get on the road race bike and it's almost and you got your earplugs in and everything and it's almost like um you know, everything's a lot quieter and, and, uh, it's, it's a, it is, a, it is a little bit of a change, but, but yeah, growing up riding motocross definitely made the transition easier for sure. Did you come down to, I, I, I remember you guys coming down. It seems like we had a race either at my track in Winterset, Iowa, or maybe it was in seven Oaks at the ski resort. Did you guys come to that race? We did like Boon Bala. We had a, we had a regional qualifier there one time. Uh, do you remember that, or are you too young? I know your dad was there. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, for a regional for Loretta's? Or? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I mean, when we were younger, we were, you know, we were going to all the amateur national stuff and doing, uh, you know, doing trying, trying to do Loretta's thing, um, going to the areas and regionals and all that. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure, definitely. This sure. one, yeah, I think you'd remember. It was at a, it, well, it was like 2004, maybe. 2003 or four that's been a while so you you were what in diapers then so disregard yeah <laughs> that maybe maybe would have been a little bit yeah a little bit before uh i probably would have been uh on pw 50s or, or maybe 50 i know your dad was but, there. Yeah. 
I'm sure of it because your dad and I talked about it. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it was at a ski resort, and um, we had a we had a regional qualifier there. We built the track after we got the race. We went to work on the track. Oh, it was, and they had a chairlift and everything. Yes. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I was on fifties at the time. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I remember being able to ride up the chairlift. I do remember that. For sure. Yeah, riding cool. up the chairlift. That's cool. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it is cool. It's cool to see you succeeding now in road racing. It's really neat, man. It's really cool. Do you still get to yeah, train no, with I your? Mean, Go ahead. I still get to train with who? Your brother. I was just wondering. You got a biker brother, mountain bike brother. I would imagine. Uh, you know, we don't meet many bicyclists that aren't very fit, and uh, most motorcycle racers use bicycles to train. Do you get to ride with your bro much or not? Uh, yeah, yeah, he actually, uh, so he, he was actually just out in Big Bear, California. He did his first ever, uh, downhill mountain bike race and, uh, he actually ended up winning the, um, it was like the Fox US Open or whatever. He actually won his age group, uh, this past weekend, um, in the 19 to 29 class, I believe it was. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, we, we try and get in as, as much mountain biking and road biking, um, as we can down here in Houston. Um, and I actually live like a mile from Garrett Gerloff. So, um, he's been mainly my, my training partner for the past uh, year or so, um, riding motocross, uh, road biking, um, going to the gym. Um, and then we've, we've been doing a lot of supermoto lately out at a local go-kart track. So, yeah, and he's been on a he's been on a tear. Uh, he got that that great win. Unfortunately, round race two, that was um, it was an unfortunate race too for him. Was that in New Jersey or was that pit race? I want to say it was New Jersey. When he, uh, his uh, his motor blew up in the in the second race at uh at Pittsburgh. Oh, it was uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, and then he won he won the race at uh, BIR or. Or sorry, New Jersey um, in the first race, and then in the morning warm up, he uh, he had a, a, a get off and hit his head pretty good. And that's it. That's race. yeah. It was New Jersey. He won race one, and then had a bit of a. He's doing okay. He's, he remembers his name. Remembers your name. He's good to go. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's doing good. We uh, I actually I was at New Jersey. Uh, we we rode up, up there with him, and I was working the uh, Garrett Gerloff merchandise booth all weekend up there. So. Um, I was selling some T-shirts while I'm in my downtime. <laughs> hey, Caleb, what advice would you give to uh, young racers and even in particular uh, the, the parents? Because as, as we've seen some uh, water uh, bottle-throwing parents um, perhaps can use a little direction, but what advice would you give to uh, young racers? Um. Man, I, I would I would definitely just say the biggest thing for me, um, honestly, is is just enjoying the the process. I think a lot of families these days, um, they're so set on the goal of being a you know a professional racer or rider at, at any level. Um, really, in in uh, you know I, I see it in in motocross and in road racing. They're so focused on. Um, the end result that they don't enjoy the the ride of getting there. And like, um, that's one of the biggest things for me is like just all the trips that we went on as a family and, and all the fun things that we did um, along the way and getting to becoming a pro rider. I feel like people kind of lose touch of like 
um, staying in the moment. You know, they're so focused on becoming a pro and and everything that comes with that. And um, you know, I, I feel like uh, I feel like that's just a, a really big um, thing that that some people are kind of missing. You know, like like I see all these all these kids out there that are just like so focused on on getting to that next level that they really miss. You know, like enjoying getting there i guess if that makes sense absolutely does and it it just brings to mind you you don't see uh a lot of uh people at at in in this sport probably in any other sport at the top who aren't having a good time the guys at the top are having a good time if you talk to garrett gerloff jd beach jake lewis you name them i mean the up-and-comers of our national series those guys are happy when they're riding a motorcycle. They really enjoy doing it. It puts a smile on their face, and you're absolutely right, Caleb. If you if you lose track of that and you aren't having a you don't have a smile on your helmet, what the heck's the point? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know at Laguna Seca, just you know, just getting the opportunity to be back on a road race bike in in Moto America, like I was, I was just ecstatic. You know, um, uh, just just even being out there, you know, and, and honestly, we didn't really expect much, uh, just because like I was jumping on this bike for the, like literally the frame, the, the bike was a frame two weeks before or three weeks before Laguna. Um, and Patrick at, at roaring toys, I mean, he did an amazing job even, even getting the thing, uh, put together, uh, before Laguna. And then, uh, you know, really th- that bike that I raced the first time it was on track was, in uh morning warm-up at laguna seca like that was the first ever lap it did um so i mean we didn't really expect much just because i had only ridden the fco 7 one time before that at pit race um we knew with the pace that i was running at pit race um that you know i i could be up front contending for wins um but but you know we just uh we, we went into it pretty pretty humble and just like you know we we didn't uh we didn't really expect much because uh, we know that it would take a little while to get the, you know, FCO seven kind of dialed. And um, with the road racing, there's a lot of little fine tuning um, <laughs> uh, just, just to get the bike working for the track. And, and for me as the rider as well, um, you know, certain riders like, like different things and, and uh, with a whole different bike, obviously if it was like an R six or something that I've been racing for a long time, um, it would have been a little bit easier, but but uh, we found a pretty good setup for the race, and actually, I qualified 12th because uh, the setup was just like horrendous. At, at in the in the qualifying session, we we uh, we changed spring rates, and they forgot to put the preload back in the front end. And there's a couple bumps on that track, and like there's this fast left hander before you go up the hill to the corkscrew. And in that fast left-hander, there's, like, a big bump. So, like, every single lap I came through there, and I was just, like, I knew it was going to happen, but the front end would just, like, bounce off the bottom, and uh, it, it would slide out, and I would have to catch it with my knee every single lap. And then there was this bump coming down the corkscrew that I would have to catch the bike with my knee and save it. And I'm, like, honestly, like, I had only ridden the FCO7 one time before that, and it was at a different track. So in qualifying, I'm, like, is this just like, is this how the FCO sevens are? Like, I'm not like, 
this is crazy. I'm going to get hurt or something. Yeah, you don't want to have to catch it on your knee. That's uh, for those who haven't done that. That's you, repeating it is only done at a very uh, professional level. That's usually the beginning of what most people call a crash. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I was like, you know, I mean, just just with the limited time we've had on that bike and at Moto America rounds, you only get uh well, especially there because it's it's in conjunction with the uh, World Superbike, so there wasn't you know, a whole lot of track time for the classes. Um, and they're trying to fit a lot into the schedule. So we just had, uh, like one morning warm up, one qualifying session and one race. So like, you know, you had to, you had to get everything, um, dialed pretty quick. So we realized after qualifying or we had one morning warm up Saturday before the race. And, and, uh, if you guys, I'm, I'm sure some of the listeners have been to uh, Laguna Seca, but, uh, in the morning it's always got this like fog over the track and uh it's like it's it's almost like it's raining while you're going around the track and and uh surprisingly the track still has a ton of grip but um it just kind of messes with you because you got like water running down your your uh windshield and and visor but but yet your you know your, your grip level is pretty much like you're in the dry so um that's how our morning warm-up was and that was the only other time I got to ride the bike before oh. the race. And so like, that was our, that was our test run to kind of see where we were at for our race setup. And I didn't really, I was like, well, I don't really know where the bike was at because the, the, the fog kind of mentally slows you down a little bit. It would me. <laughs> um, all right. So Caleb, here we go. Uh, sponsors, who would you like to thank? Yeah, I got to thank uh, Southeast Sales. Um, Roaring Toys, obviously, for, for the opportunity of getting back on a road race bike in Moto America, 1833 CJ Nose. Um, you guys were talking about helmets earlier. I got to give a huge shout out to Bell Helmets for keeping me safe. Uh, no concussions or anything in my 160 mile an hour uh, crash. Uh, FXR Moto, Mind Effect Science, um, Full Moto USA, Evans School, Sport Bike Track Time, and Moto Stuff. For, yeah. uh, me. Nice job out of you. Great conversation. Uh, thank you so much for spending the time with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. There we go. Caleb DeCarroll and uh, even PJ was um, remarking about his brothers and the whole family and he's right. Fun is the objective and when you lose sight of that, perhaps you should get out of it. You know, Racing is like any other sport. Right now, uh, team sports across America are down some 30% and there's a reason why and uh, it's because we've taken the fun I think out of uh, sports in general anyway uh, when we come back Stefano Mesa is going to be joining us that's he's waiting in the wings this portion of our program brought to you by the light hydrogen racewear that fly racing makes look for him online at flyracing.com for more details or at a dealer near you this is Jason Conlon, Pro Supermoto Racer, and you're listening to Pit Pass Racing. 
Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes the newest addition is the v-line do-all vrm 340 a heavy duty off-road tire that is dot approved most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments it's v rubber and the tacky tires the choice of sherco off-road racers say when using a tacky it's almost like cheating it's v rubber No speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans. Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's trackaddix.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with track addicts track days it's a fact the best you've ridden is the best you know until you've ridden racetech suspension you haven't experienced the best suspension possible racetech is the science of suspension for atv and utvs motocross freestyle and stunning off-road supermoto road race sport bikes cruisers touring and vintage bikes as well as adventure riding with gold valve kits to upgrade your stock forks and shocks and our g3s custom series shocks you too can have the Racetech suspension advantage, and it's all made in the USA. For more information about Racetech products and applications, visit our website at Racetech.com. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. The Yamaha YZF-R3 Sport Bike at Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes is the most exciting and affordable way ever to join the exclusive world of Yamaha R-Series Superbike Performance. It features a potent fuel-injected 321cc liquid-cooled parallel twin engine for great acceleration, a slim, lightweight chassis for sporty, agile handling, a low seat height to get both your feet firmly on the ground for added confidence, plus legendary Yamaha Superbike styling guaranteed to turn heads, all at a super value. No wonder Cycle World calls it a bargain, and Revzilla hails it the new king of the hill when it comes to entry-level lightweight sport bikes. Visit Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes today to see the incredible Yamaha R3. And for more information, visit YamahaMotorsports.com. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the De Leon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The De Leons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans. He'll make your dreams a reality. Call the De Leons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack De Leon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Kevin Schwantz here, 1993 500cc world champ. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. 
All right, welcome back to the show. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, part of the Evergreen Podcast System. Uh, Tony, we're talking a little bit off air about Sid and uh, the band. Uh, and tell us the name of the the band again. I don't know how you can forget it. It's called Slipknot. Slipknot, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They wear the absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous masks, uh, masks yeah. and costumes. It's cool. I, I remember I was riding up the elevator at the downtown Holiday Inn here in Des Moines, mm-hmm. and they were riding down. I said, so you guys look pretty tight. And they, I said, uh, what do you guys do? And they said, well, we have a band called Slipknot. And I said, so is that like a thing? <laughs> and I don't remember how long. I think I was still at KJJY at the time. But um, I just remember how excited they were because it was that day that they dropped their first album. Dude, they're full-blown rock stars. Yeah. And Jim Root. Around the world. Jim Root. It was in a band called Dead Front before that one, and he was the lead guitar singer, whatever guy. And we had Deville when we were doing. Uh, we had Deville where? Yeah, so we had the clothing thing, and we had it. We had this thing called Budapest out at Clearwater Beach, <laughs> and so they were set up, and I had I had a one twenty five sitting up there, and all cool graphics and stuff. This is back in the nineties, and Jim Root comes up, and and I have no idea who he is or his band, and he says, "Anybody know how to ride that thing?" I said, yeah, I'm your Huckleberry, you know, I can ride this thing. And he said, all right, so we're the main act. We want you to jump off the stage oh and that'll be our opening deal. Do And I'm like, sweet, did a big burnout, but then it's dark and you can't see anything. So it was like, a- did you land on anyone? No, I landed in the sand and, and just landed wide open and, and, and took off and did a wheelie. And, and then as soon as I landed, it was full mosh pit and it was super cool. And then I didn't see Jim again for several years. He wanted to come out. He got invited by a friend who got invited by a friend to come out and ride the track when I first built it in Winterset. And uh, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, hey, he's this musician guy. And and then we get to talking. And I'm like, holy cow, I know you. And, I jumped and, off your stage. Yeah. And then we became buddies. It was pretty neat. <laughs> so then, he, And he was like really impressed because I had a charge account at Bread Dough Pizza. <laughs> so <laughs> i'm sorry but what what it takes so little with some people and i live basically lived in the sign-up shed because i was so poor and i had to have this i had to have the 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 charge account until i had the next race so i could pay it i'm not i wish i was joking it's the truth oh that's the the way so of then, the world sometimes. so then they have stone sour their very first concert was at the house of bricks we jim and i were riding earlier that morning and he invited me he said you got to come to this deal and I said, okay. He put me on this list, and I got there, and I'm, and I'm. It was a big deal, but I had no idea. It was. You had no idea how big it was. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Isn't that cool. All right. Um. By the way, I did um, uh, drop off a friend of yours to uh, GT. Oh yeah. Yeah. A guy. I, I can't say his name on air, but um, I don't even know if I can remember it. But uh, <laughs> the fact, the fact is, he said, "You're friends with Tony, right?" I said, yeah. He says, you like a system on that radio show, Pit Pass. I said, I do. (laughs) So that's the second person in the whole wide world that's ever said that, your father being the other. Yep. But uh, anyway, welcome back. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. This portion of our show brought to you by our friends at Hicklin Power Sports. Hicklin Power Sports. Look for them online. Hicklin powersports.com all right our guest is currently second place in the moto america stock 1000 standings with wow with one win for the season and he has a bird in the background apparently uh two second place finishes and four third place finishes has held a number of track records at new jersey motorsports park palm beach international raceway daytona international speedway and summer point motorsports park stefano mesa joins us what's up man how are you Hey, how are you guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you on. I don't think we've ever had you on before. 
No, I think this is the first first time, I believe. So, outstanding season in the Stock 1000 class. Talk to us about how things came together for you to run the, the full Moto America season, and, and are you meeting your expectations so far? In the, Or did you meet your expectations in the 20, 2019 season? Yeah, you know what? Uh, it was a good season for us. Um, so, we kind of came came along the Moto America rounds uh last year i was following moto america with the wira with the wira class the, they were they were having this like um triple crown yes exactly triple crown so i was following them around with the triple crown then um our expectations was that was pretty much just go out and try and go faster than the super stock guys and um, I was obviously on a different brand of tires, uh, because I was being helped and I am still helped by Pirelli. So that's why we were doing the triple crown that year and not the Moto America stuff. So this year, um, well, actually last year we saw that lap times were pretty compa- uh, competitive in the class. So this year we pretty much just decided to go and do a couple rounds, do a, do a big effort and, and put everything together to do a couple rounds. And, uh, we showed up to the first three rounds and we landed on the podium, uh, every round. And, uh, after road America, when I had my first win and my only win of the year, uh, I ended up leading the championship. So, when Moto America went over to the other coast, we were kind of in, we kind of got dragged into it, you know, kind of doing the whole series. It wasn't really in our plans, but um, the um, the finishes showed showed something, so we kind of had to attempt to see if something would come out of it, you know? Well, it's been, uh, you've been successful, and although Andrew Lee has already wrapped up the the stock 1000 title you're sitting second in points 44 points ahead of third place michael gilbert and this weekend's coming up it's barber it's a double header for the stock 1000 class which means you may have a fight in your hands for second overall how do you like barber what's the plan to bring home the to bring home second place in that in that championship so yeah uh, barber is a very nice facility uh they just repaved it so i think it's going to be new for all of us, if not most of us, you know, new is just like we're, the surface is going to be new. I think we all been to the track before and we all know where to go. But uh, I think it's going to be a good weekend. It's going to be a fast weekend as always. Uh, the class this year has been stacked with talent and we have very fast guys in the class. So uh, I'm excited for the weekend. And now that we kind of wrapped up second, I kind of got to finish one race. and then we can do whatever we have to do in the other race, you know. So hopefully we can we can get everything together and have a good weekend. Stefano, you've been racing a long time. You started on mini bikes way back. Uh, gosh, I mean, you, you were racing as early as 2007, right? So, yeah, I actually lived in Colombia back in 2007, but I was already racing. Uh, I have done a lot of motocross when I was growing up and I actually raced four wheelers and supermoto and four wheelers back in Colombia. And then when we came to the United States to live, 
I did a little bit of Minimoto, and we did the USGPRU that we raced with. Um, we we raced with all the kids that are fast nowadays, like Jake Lewis, Gerloff, all all the kids like nowadays that are fast. We all grew up racing more walkies and little bikes, so that's kind of like where we came, where I came from. And you've had a, a great uh, career, and it's clearly still on the up. So congratulations to you. Um, you've been racing with Wera a fair bit this year. I'm looking at results out there and doing very well. Are you uh, are you planning to do the GNF uh, at the end of the year? I know you've done it in years past. So, yeah, pretty much what I do, I try and uh, race with the money I make from racing, you know. So I kind of and chase wherever the money's at so i will be at the gnf and daytona's coming up for the race of champions so i'll be there for ccs2 and uh i think that will be for the year you know i think we have like three more weekends of racing and are you have you started looking to next year granted you have some some unfinished business with this season as yet but have you started looking at what next season's going to look like for you or is that still to be determined you know what it's always to be determined uh you never know if an opportunity comes around and maybe you can snatch it you know but at the moment it's pretty much uh how the boat floats and we will just go based on results and however we can do it and i mean i'll probably still be racing that's for sure and uh I'm not sure if I'll do the whole Moto America series, but I'm sure I'll do the events that are close to me. So I guess the, the answer to your question is we'll see We'll see what goes going on, you know? Absolutely. Spoken like a, like a professional racer looking for a job. Results got to be there to go racing. That's exactly right. And Stefano, you've, been, you've had plenty of speed. Uh, uh, it, it's... Throughout your career, you've you've had a lot of speed, and and you continue to move the ball forward. Uh, are you are you training with anybody in particular? It sounds like you're racing, and maybe your uh, racing is your training. So yeah, I mean, th- there's no really no training that I do. Uh, I have a full time job, and that takes a lot of my time when I'm when I'm not racing. So uh, when I'm not there, I do try to spend as much as much time on a bike it doesn't matter what kind of bike it is for me i think any kind of bike is gonna make you better on a bike right so um i do a lot of uh club racing as you have mentioned and i do i started doing a little bit of dirt track on a little 100 try and get in shape a little bit and to be honest i just try and ride a bike as much as i can that's pretty much my training well, it's, it apparently works. You've got a lot of success, and I know in CCS, we're a ASRA. Um, you know, you've you've uh, and now Moto America. You know, um, it's uh, it's interesting to see where your your career will take you. Uh, you've got some races scheduled after the Moto America season is over, right? Or or what are you thinking? So yeah, correct. After the Moto America season is over this weekend, uh, we have Daytona, that is Race of Champions, and then we have the GNF, and that will be the end of the season, I think. And it's going to be a good end of the season at that. Uh, Stefano, we're uh, 
we, we can't wait to see what comes up for you next. I really would like to see you carry on in the Moto America paddock. Um, I don't think uh, is it is it premature to, to talk Superbike or or do you think uh, maybe you come back next year and take the Stock One Thousand title? You know what the Superbike the Superbike topic is always kind of iffy. Um, to do it as a privateer is extremely hard, and us racers we do we go racing to try and win. You know we don't want to finish second, third, or fourth, and fifth. We want to go try and win, and I think that's why we go out to the races to try and win. So if I'm not in an equipment that I can attempt to win, uh, I don't think that will be an option for me, you know? Understood, and it's a, it's a harsh reality that uh, racers all over the world have to come to grips with. If I can't have the right ride, do I really want to be there, or do I... You know, it's a tough question to answer. Stefano, we want to give you a chance before you're gone to thank any sponsors who've helped you out along the way. Do you want to give us a name off those guys? Well, for sure, for sure. My mom and dad, uh, they, they've been a huge support to my my whole career. Uh, Thermosman Suspension, which has been with me for all my career pretty much. He's been my chassis guy, so my hat's off to him for always giving me good products. Um... The guys that keep me safe, for sure. Showy helmets, 1X leathers, boots. Uh, all the guys that help me get the bike ready, like Graves, Graves Motorsports, KTEC, Orient Express, SBS Brakes. Uh, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of them, but <laughs> everybody knows that everybody's very appreciated in the program, for sure. Wow. Wise beyond his years, Stefano Mesa has been our guest on uh, this portion of Pit Pass Radio. Thanks, Stefano. Thank you, guys. There we go. Off to the pits he goes. We'll come back after this short time out. You're listening to America's Motor Racing Talk Show. This is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Hi, this is Ed Morland. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. With the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA closure system race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 Pro Fit Advanced Ventilation Jersey and Premium Race Glove, and you have Generation Next Racewear, built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike. For more information, visit flyracing.com. It's much more than a piston company. Wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products, including forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets and hubs, crankshafts, camshafts, forged connecting rods and valves. At Wiseco, we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine engine, or automobile on the market today. After 70 years in the business, Wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals wiseco america's motor racing talk show pit pass motor racing weekly comes your way each sunday morning from 8 to 10 right here on des moines sports station 1460 kxno des moines sports station 1460 kxno if you're passionate about riding motorcycles both off-road and on check out the full line of yamaha dual sports at hicklin power sports 
The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance, enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Time out. Drink Swell Vodka, proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Find Swell Vodka in fine stores, restaurants, and bars near you. Like Swell on Facebook. Hey, it's Chad Reed with 22 Motorsports. Hope you're all doing well. Thank you very much, Chad. Let's go to PJ. PJ? From Misano, Italy this past weekend, what a race. Mark Marquez tops Fabio Quartararo. Uh, followed him, followed him all the way, and third place uh, won Maverick Vinales, teammate to Valentino Rossi, who followed him home in fourth. What a race! Last lap, first corner of the last, they crossed the stripe. Marquez had been sitting on Cordero six the entire race. It was the two of them at the front. Uh, early, it looked like some other guys might be able to stay with them. They were not. Uh, what was, was Maverick's last name? Maverick Vinales. Is that like one of the coolest names in sports? Yeah, Maverick. Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> hard not to. Kind of hard to one up. Yeah, my name. How you doing? My name's Maverick. Maverick. My name Dang is Maverick. Right. If I had a boy, yeah, I'd probably name him Maverick. And it's all and he's, Maverick Wink. And he's, how cool would that be? It'd be a very good name. Maverick, get in here. Dinner Maybe, time. He, Eat your protein, boy. What are you gonna do if? Uh, if this actually happens, you might have a boy, right? No, Could I'm having happen. a girl. Oh, it's already been you determined. already know it? Yeah, and we're going to name him her. Uh, <laughs> it. Hopefully it. she never listens to she the won't. Believe me, she won't. Her mother, if she's anything like her mother or the rest of my family, except for my mom. Hi, mom. Uh, uh-huh. Nobody would listen to this in my family. Um, <laughs> Your but, father uh, used to. No, he never did, Scott. And He'd always say, hey, what station is that on? I go, yeah. on your phone, Dad. I wrote it above your radio because you asked me so many times. It's 1460. Yeah, but he had 100 different vehicles, literally. You never knew. (laughs) Yes, it was a great race, was my point. Gentlemen, it was a great race. (laughs) You still banging on that? The previous race, Marquez had been uh, outsmarted, if you will, at the line. He lost at the line. Not this time. He waited till the last lap, first corner, and then he blocked all the way around. Cordoraro didn't have a chance. They raced the line. It was beautiful. Really the, great race. The racecraft from out of Marquez has been not just the style. We talked about that, but just the racecraft out of that kid. He doesn't has been miss just one. He doesn't miss one step. If so he gets, good. If he gets outdone, forget you. I will do that at the next race. This will never happen to me again. I want to thank Justin Brayton, Taylor Robert, Richard Kimes, Caleb DeCarroll, Stefano Mesa, and each and every one of you for Tony Wink, PJ Duran, Eddie Kulenkamp. I'm Scott Casper. Thanking you on behalf of Jack and Leanne Daly on Chris Bishop and Tommy Boy Halverson. This has been another edition of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Talk to you next week. May I have your attention, please? 
Excuse me. <clears throat> Are you listening to me? Thank you. The preceding was an exclusive presentation of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, a division of Pit Pass Radio LC. Any use of this copyrighted material without the express written consent of Pit Pass Radio LC is strictly prohibited. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. <laughs> 